Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of October 2, 2022. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind roundabouts have moved from Saturday afternoons to Friday evenings. The roundabouts will be hybrid, virtual, and in-person on the first and third Fridays of the month and virtual only on the second and fourth Fridays of the month. When there is a fifth Friday, it will also be virtual. You can begin arriving at roundabout by 3.30 to 4 p.m. on Friday afternoon when it's in person. We'll be eating dinner around 5 and then the evening activities, including the virtual session, will be from 7 to 9 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. Please plan to make return rides from the hybrid roundabouts by 9 p.m. Watch the KCB email list for exact schedules as we make this transition. You can also call us at 502-895-4598 for more information. And remember, the first Friday evening roundabout in person and on Zoom will be on Friday, October 7. Tri-State Library Users has now moved its monthly meeting and book club from Fridays to Saturdays. The new meeting time is the third Saturday of the month at 11 a.m. Join Tri-State on Saturday, October 15 for the next book club meeting. For more information about the book club and Tri-State Library users, call Natalie Couch at 217-369-5139. KCB Next Generation will hold its next Zoom meeting on Thursday, 13, at 8 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. Next Generation is also planning a dine-out on October 15. Listen to Sound Prints next week and also watch the email list for more details coming soon. The number for the KCB Zoom line is 669-900-6833 and the code is 862-9889-6972. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its October business meeting on Wednesday, October 5 at 8 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. The next in-person Low Vision Support Group will be at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, 150 South State Street, from 1 to 2.30 p.m. on Monday, October 10. For more information about Low Vision activities, call the KCB office at 502-895-4598. The Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVI, in Owensboro, will hold its October meeting on Tuesday, October 11. For more information about this meeting and about SAVI, contact Cheryl Lott, President, at 270-686-8689. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind in Bowling Green will hold its social hour each Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central 
3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Zoom line. The October 5 meeting will feature Brian Gomer, who will be talking about human wear products. Join their Zoom call by dialing 669-900-6833 and entering the code 763-689-4411. And speaking of SCKCB, Richard Lindsay, President, and Teresa Eskew, Vice President of the South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind, join us this week on page two to tell us about their fundraising car show that they participated in in August. SCKCB was a charity chosen by the car show to receive part of the proceeds from this activity, and they had an extremely successful program. Be sure to listen to them on page two and get involved with the Bowling Green chapter. They're a great group. On page three, we talk with Terry Pacheco from Silver Spring, Maryland. Terry is one of the new board members on the ACB Board of Directors. She was elected this year for a four-year term, and we chat with her about her past jobs, her hobbies, her interests, and her hopes for the next four years as she's very involved in ACB, and much more. We know you'll enjoy getting to know Terry Pacheco. Listen to Soundprints each week on ACB Media One, the mainstream channel. Our broadcast times are Sunday at 8 p.m., Monday at 8 a.m., Tuesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., Wednesday at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m., Thursday at 10 p.m., and Friday at 1 a.m., 10 a.m., and 1 p.m. Listen on your Victor Reader Stream or on the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. For more information about Soundprints or to receive a free subscription on CD playable on any standard CD player, give us a call at 502-895-4598. Page two. This week on Sound Prince, we are welcoming the South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind. They are the KCB chapter in Bowling Green. They're our newest chapter, and they have had a very successful fundraiser this summer. With me is Richard Lindsay, who is the president of SCKCB. He's from Bowling Green, and Teresa Eskew, who is the vice president of SCKCB, and she lives in Franklin, Kentucky, which is near Bowling Green. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Carla. Richard, would you like to begin and just tell us about how this, tell us a little bit about how this car show thing came about, and then, um, Teresa, if the two of you want to describe to us the kinds of things that you did to make this a big success, that would be wonderful. So, Richard? I'll turn yes. it over to you first. Yes, ma'am. Um, it seemed like uh, when Teresa became our VP uh, a couple years ago, we were talking about fundraising ideas, and she let me know that her and her husband and family were involved with a uh, car club down there in their area, and they they uh, had a show every year, 
and they chose a charity to uh, sponsor and give proceeds to. And she said, maybe, you know, she kept saying, maybe next year we'll get our name in the pot and uh, get chosen. And so we, me and her knew of it. The rest of the members didn't. And then um, we got lucky this, this past year, her daughter-in-law, uh, who's a member of the club, threw us in the mix and uh, we got chosen. I think they showed a little favoritism because we, we have Teresa involved. And uh, so we, she got with me and said, uh, hey, we're, we got chosen to be the charity. So that got the ball rolling. I asked, you know, okay, what's that going to involve with us? And she said, we needed to chase down uh, silent auction items gift cards, anything like that that we could be raffle off or give away as uh, awards to different uh, categories they had in the car show. So we um, brought it up to our group and uh, told them it was a possibility of, you know, raising a big amount of money. And we all, I say we all, a small group of us got involved and uh, put the time in and, um, then once they got the plans for the show together and gave us the title of the show and, you know, gave us an idea of what we wanted, then we started calling local car parts stores, restaurants, you know, anything, massage therapists, anybody we, we might have uh, dealt with in the past and told them what we were doing and would they be willing to uh, donate time or or uh, a product or give us promotional items we would help disperse and uh, we uh, we gathered a bunch of stuff Teresa was the brainchild of it mainly coordinating everything I'll turn it over to her let let her explain a little bit more well, thank you Richard and Carla yeah, we've been members of car clubs for years here in Simpson County. Um, the name of our car club is Relentless, and this is our 10th year anniversary, actually, next weekend. Um, and like she, like he said, over the last five years, we've held a car show every August, and each year they've chosen a nonprofit that they've given back the proceeds to. And, yes, my daughter-in-law did throw our name in the hat on the spot, and I didn't know it, so I had two minutes to come up with a speech about STKCB and what we do and what we stand for because they picked me and they chose our charity and we're very grateful for that but like he said it wasn't just showing up and collecting a check we put in the work I don't believe in just showing up I believe in digging in and making it a good event and making it a successful event and something everybody enjoys so we had the car show which entails the classic cars coming in and registering and setting up for people to view all day long. Then we also had other vendors set up selling products. And then, like he mentioned, we had the silent auction. And I'm very proud of SEKCB because between the few of us that did collect items, we had 39 different silent auction items, some of which brought $100 or more each. So it was very, very successful. We did have a rainstorm come in. It shut us down two hours early, but uh, we still did great on everything. We just had to move everything up a couple of hours once we saw the radar and saw that it was coming. On top of that, we did a Braille demonstration at our booth, and um, one of our members, Lisa, was 
taking the Braille decoding cards and putting them in a Braille writer and Brailling the person's name as they came up, and then she put a secret phrase at the bottom, and if they brought that back and decoded it and gave us the right answer, we had some gifts to hand out. Um, we were fortunate. I reached out to Tennessee Retina, and they gave us some uh, full-size umbrellas and some uh, selfie ring lights for cameras, and those were the prizes that we could hand out. Also, American Printing House sent down some of the Braille bracelets and some T-shirts for us to give out as prizes as well. There was also a uh, children's pedal car event with classic pedal cars, and we didn't have a lot to do with that, but um, we, we also had at our booth, we had the opportunity for people to get their hair French braided, and then we had literature about Braille, and we were fortunate enough to have a couple of people from McDowell come down and spend a day with us. Helga and Jennifer came down and helped us out at the booth. And she also brought some canes, and uh, Jennifer did a few demonstrations with the cane. And we had a bake sale, which we all donated to, and that brought back money to us. And Richard's daughter works at Starbucks, so we served Starbucks coffee that day, which got some people over to buy the baked goods as well. We had a, a full-size mini bike donated, and we sold raffle tickets for that for the day, and all that money went back to our group. And we also set out a tip jar, and at the end of the day, we had over $176 in our tip jar. So, yeah, the car club people are very generous people, and uh, I think it was a great turnout and big success. And, I, Richard, I don't think you've mentioned the total we took in here. Do you want to do that? Uh, yeah, I think the uh, the total was around uh, 46 $100, almost $4,700 by the time we got uh, the extra little uh, donations put in there at the end. <laughs> and uh, yes, talking to... By... Yeah, go ahead. We're, spo we're sponsored by two of the local businesses there. I forgot to mention that. Um, the event's held between a Pizza Hut and a Wildfire Barbecue. And Wildfire Barbecue was very generous on top of everything else he did for us. He threw in a two hundred and fifty dollar donation on the end there that uh, popped it off. Oh, and from what I I spoke to our original founder, Dr. Milliman, and he said that was the largest fundraising that SEKCB had had in its existence. So uh <laughs> we were pretty proud of that with all the work that we put in. And uh wish we could do it another time down the road. Uh we'll, we'll be looking for it, so you all did an absolutely fantastic job. And, you know, when you first started talking about this, uh, you all have a, um, for those of you who are listening that don't know, um, SCKCB has a, they call it a social hour, each Wednesday afternoon from 2 to 3 Central Time, 3 to 4 Eastern, on their Zoom line. And there may be a speaker or there may just be, conversation it's always a very nice call and it's lots of fun to go to and even though i'm in louisville and they're two hours south in bowling green i like to go to their calls because it's just such a it's such a good group well so richard when you all first started talking about the car show and saying well we're going to have a table there i'm thinking oh you're going to have this table and you're going to hand out a few little things and 
you know, you'll have some people come by, but mostly they're not going to be looking at something serious like, you know, braille cards. Um, and, but I, I really, I had no idea. I've never been to a car show. I don't know anything about a car show. And, um, all I know is about the street ride cars that come to Louisville and get rained on every year, you know? So, um, here was somebody who knew nothing about it. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, they're talking about buying things to hand out and everything. And I sure hope they don't wind up losing a lot of money on this. And I just, I really worried about it. I had, I just had no clue. And, uh, as time went on and Teresa starts talking about all of these companies getting donations from here and there and, uh, you know, so-and-so, have you called this company and has someone else called someone for these car washes and all this? I'm thinking, you know, this is a bigger deal than what my mind was wrapping around. And it really was. It, it, you all just, it, you all did a terrific job. Yeah. We, um, you know, we found out our banner was dated, you know, it was made Mm -hmm. back when, you know, Mm-hmm. 10 years ago so we right. we reached out and got a got a uh a bank to sponsor or you know pay for getting a new banner mm-hmm. and so we were able to display a new banner and then uh uh we wanted uh we were trying to think of something to hand out to folks when they came and visit us and um we we racked our heads around uh what what could we give away what could we afford and Teresa mm-hmm. reached out to a uh, classic car insurance company they deal with, and and we agreed on a hand fan because we thought it was going to be hot. You know, we had all that hundred degree weather, <laughs> yeah. So, so we so we thought, man, you know, it's going to be a scorcher. But uh, we uh, we decided on these five inch hand fans and got the the insurance company to pay for it, and they put their name on one side and we, we are on the other. And here we were. It turned out to be a nice breezy day with a chance of rain. And so, uh, the hand fans kind of got, uh, lost, but, uh, we passed them out if we could give them a souvenir of the show. And, uh, she was able to, the insurance guy was able to use it at another car show. So we got benefit of getting advertisement at two different events. So, sure. uh, uh, and I'm um, trying to think, what else did we have done that uh, all we needed flyers printed up, or I wanted flyers printed up, and uh, had a mm-hmm. had a business um, office pay for that, and uh, so we had nice flyers printed up, it looked like posters, and um, it was the the logo of the show and everything on it. So everything we didn't really spend any money other than we bought T-shirts for all our members. But, you know, by the time we made our money, we, we got to pay for that back. So, yeah. But the other thing you did was you got, you got a number of your members involved. Now you didn't have them all involved because they all, for various reasons, couldn't have been involved. Sure. But, but you got people involved. You have what, Richard, about 20 people in the chapter? We were 24 of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, a really good group, but they're all, you know, a lot of people, they're not all in Bowling Green. No. Um, you know, there's a couple, of, there's Glasgow and there's Franklin and, you know, it's it's just throughout that region. Yeah. And it's not as if there's transportation from one town to another. Um, it, it's not as if 
everybody can just get together every week and do something. And, uh, and yet, you know, you do a lot on Zoom and so on. But this car show, I mean, you all got people um, coming and doing things at the car show and, you know, and family members helping out. I mean, I think it was a great example of the the amazing amount of work that can be done when, you know, when, when, when you're such a mind, this is going to be successful. We're going to make this a success. And, uh, Teresa, I, I sure can sympathize with that. Having two minutes to come up with that speech, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, but yeah, but doing that and, and getting selected and everything, I mean, I really think it's an amazing, um, thing for that you all did and you didn't have a year to plan you know no uh, we were voted how on long in did march. you have you had about three or four months we something were, like that well we, march they voted yeah. on us in march end of march is when they voted on us and so it's mm-hmm. august 20th but yeah mm-hmm. i told them i said you know if we want to participate we don't want to just show up so we're going to bring things to the table for you all and uh, yeah. there's also a 50 yeah. 50 part where they sold tickets all day for that as well and we had a massage therapist there doing chair massages behind us and there was a Tupperware mm-hmm. lady selling Tupperware and so we got to talk to a lot of people that didn't know anyone that was blind and I had a lady come up at the very end and she said I heard about this on the I did several radio interviews too and then we had mm-hmm. Lisa did a TV interview but she came up and she said I heard your I heard your uh heard about this on the radio and you were talking about it and she said my daddy was blind and he never got to see me and she said I told my husband this is one car show we're going to have to make this year and so we got our car out and came down today and she said I'm going to put some money in your tip jar because we didn't spend everything we brought with us today and I said well that's I really appreciate that and she said Mm -hmm. no this is great I'm glad to see y'all out here and she said I really enjoyed it so it's been a great day and we we also learned that the the car show people didn't solicit up there in Bone Green as much, so I had fresh territory to reach out to. Me and Teresa both did, uh, you know, reaching up out here in Bone Green and uh, letting people know that there was going to be this big car show down in Franklin and, and uh, could they help out. And we made a lot of new contacts that we feel like next year we'll be able to give them a buzz and they might just write us a you know donation. Mm-hmm. Or, so we made a yeah. we made a big um, splash with it, and um, I told them when they presented us the check uh, a couple weeks later that uh, I would be willing to help them out next year with whether it be a you know it's going to be another charity, but I told them I'd be willing to get silent auctions, get silent mm-hmm. auction items for them and everything. So uh, I think it'll be a continuing thing for us, and we'll continue to get exposure through it. So right. And that's an important point to make is that it's not always what do I get out of something, but what can we get out of something? How can we work together with others in the community? And um, so that's that's a really good point, Richard. I've learned with Teresa, me and her have learned since we've been working together, like in 2000 when COVID hit us, Mm-hmm. We raised over ten thousand dollars that year just cold calling people and and uh, soliciting. Mm-hmm. You know, we we mm-hmm. spent eight thousand on devices, yeah. but um, you know, we're we're we did some cold calling this year 
but we had a lot of we were doing a cyber grant with Walmart trying to get that figured out and yeah. a lot of logistics with the that getting our tax ID numbers straightened out and all that stuff. But uh, um, we had 130 people hit our Facebook page one day last week. That's great. And, uh, you know, Facebook notified us and said, you know, we had 130 views. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was that triggered that other. We had a, we put a eight rules of associating with a blind person. It was like, you know, don't grab at us and, and tell us mm-hmm. you're around and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. we all shared that three or four of us did and I don't know if that's what got us that much attention or was it I took those from four different lists that I was given by different teachers and took mm-hmm. out the ones I didn't like and I put in the ones I didn't yeah. like yeah. and changed them and I handed those yeah. out at our at our. we have a Thursday night car it's not a car show it's just a cruise in every Thursday night on the square our group gets together and several other clubs come and visit and I handed mm-hmm. those out a couple okay. of Thursday nights before our show. Mm-hmm. And then Olga brought some down, but I don't know what happened to them. I, I don't know if she was handing them out or not. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I felt sorry for Helda and Jennifer. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't the, the um, blind people there to, or, you know, anybody to come and yeah. ask 100 well, questions to them. But, yeah. um, and, and you knew there wouldn't be. Right. They, they loved it. They were they were busy yeah. the whole time. I think I, me and Teresa, I don't know if you have your cane, but I was about the only one walking around with a cane. I, me and my little buddy walked around, and uh, I was like, you know, <laughs> a blind I man's walking around looking at your cars, you know. But uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that was you know you talk about you weren't interested in cars, but I think that was the majority of our folks. You know, they they were blind all their lives, and they never did have the uh, interest in cars, so. That was probably, you know, one kind of... But, you know, Richard, yeah. I, I know I went to school with a guy who, he he, he was blind his whole life, but he loved cars. Mm. He could tell you anything. Um, and, I mean, he would remember what kind of car people had and all this stuff. Um, he was in my class for right. several years, and then uh, we left him behind, and he was in Adam's class for a while. And, uh, I mean, that guy, he knew, I mean, there are, there's a subset of blind people that just love cars. And then there's blind people who lose their vision. Um, There were seven people in, Adam and I graduated in the same class Mm -hmm. in in high school. And and, And one of the other people in our class was a guy that got hurt playing football. And he was from Louisa up in northeastern you know in the eastern northern part of kentucky and um and he lost his vision playing football his love was cars and motorcycles well that's where me and and Teresa fall in that because her family's into the car shows and yeah i was into it when i was driving back when i was a young man and um so Mm -hmm. i can live live through my little buddy's eyes now with his enthusiasm towards it well, I really appreciate y'all taking time today to to talk to us about the car show. Huge congratulations to all the success of the show and really looking forward to other great things out of the South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind in the future. Thank you. Well, thank you. Page three.
I'm talking with Terry Pacheco, who is one of the new ACB board members elected this past summer at the ACB convention in Omaha, Nebraska. And Terry is from, Terry, is it Silver Spring, Maryland? It is. Oh, good. She's uh, been in Maryland for a long time. But as you will be able to tell from her accent, she is not from Maryland. She's from the New England area. And uh, I thought it'd be a great chance for us to get to know Terry, uh, how she got into ACB and what her likes are and um, her background and, uh, you know, education, work, all those kinds of things. So it's just a chance to get to know um, Terry behind the all of the um, – the ACB media things that we do, and the board, and, and all the committees, and all that kind of stuff. So, Terry, I'm so glad that you're taking this time. Um, it's Saturday afternoon when we're chatting, and I really do appreciate that. And I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you tell us a little bit about yourself, and I will warn you, uh, I may have a couple of questions as we go along, but uh, the time is yours. Okay. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to be on Sound Prince. I've been listening to it for many years. Um, I am Terry Pacheco. Of course, I don't have an accent. You do. You, oh, you got is that, that it? That, you got that <laughs> Southern Kentucky accent. <laughs> well, actually, mine is, you know, Kentucky has lots of accents. So does Massachusetts. So does Massachusetts. Often joke about that up there as well. Um, but the truth is, the, the actual truth is, I was, and this is always the way I explain it to people, I literally was born a half a mile from Harvard Square. So if that doesn't give you my accent, nothing will. <laughs> All right. Um, I am originally from the Boston area, about seven miles northwest of Boston. Uh, I moved around with work and such uh, through the Boston area over several, many years. Um, I originally started out with a summer job that turned into a, a full-time job with the state of Massachusetts. I used to like to say, back then we gave it all away because I worked for the Cambridge, uh, for the welfare department. From that, I then went to uh, working for the Internal Revenue Service and worked there for um, about nine or ten years. And that's when I took it all away from everyone. And following that, we adopted our son who had multiple special needs and I couldn't work full-time at that point. Uh, but because of a lot of my other outside community involvement, had gotten into a number of different things that I ended up uh, going into the Randolph Shepard vending program for, I think, about 12 years. Uh, and did that through the, from the mid-80s into the late 90s. And that's when I sold it to everyone. Um, then in the late 90s, I was got a phone call one night saying, I've got the perfect job. For you. We've got the perfect job for you. What do you think about the idea of moving to Washington? And I said, 
I'll call you back in 10 minutes and haul it upstairs to my husband who had just retired. He was also internal revenue for 30 years. And I said, hey, Frank, want to move to Washington? And we, he came downstairs and said, do I want to do what? And uh, we talked it over. And so we decided, you know, if, if there was ever a perfect time for us to do it, that was the time. And so within, over the next three months, I commuted between Washington and Boston until we managed to merge ourselves down from a nine-room house there to a two-bedroom apartment here in Silver Spring. And we've been here since uh, September of 1999. So I think it's starting to feel like home down here in some ways. I kind of say we actually kind of have two homes. So that's basically what I did. You know, I encountered some pretty amazing things that would never happen today as far as uh, work discrimination and that type of thing back in the early days. And don't know that I handled them as well as I could have. I'd probably do them a lot differently today. Yeah, let me ask you, did you grow up as a visually impaired person? I did. I was always, um, well, I was always at least legally blind, mm-hmm. um, kind of on the border. Um, so I I went to a what they called in those days a sight-saving class. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was kind of a self-contained, it was like a one-room schoolhouse in a lot of ways um, because it, it happened to be in a junior high school. And, but there were kids in that class from kindergarten through the sixth grade and then worked out of it like a, what you'd call a resource room today for the seventh and eighth grade. And then I went to public high school. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, the, what was the difficult part of it probably for me more than anything was that it wasn't in my town. It was in the next city over from us. So I was very fortunate in that I'm from the baby boomer generation, obviously. So there were a lot of kids in our neighborhood. And it was somewhat awkward that I didn't go to school with them, but we all played together and bicycled and all those kinds of things after school. I got involved with Girl Scouts with them and um, the CYO Choir. Back in those days, I actually sang first and second soprano. Um, now I don't think I could do bass, much less. <laughs> <laughs> much less alto. alto. Um, and so I was always, I grew up in a family of very strong women, uh, going back multiple generations. And on both sides, both my father's mother and my mother's mother and grandmother. Uh, my great-grandmother, for instance, uh, came to this country in the 1880s, 1870s, decided that uh, after she paid off the fare for she and her two oldest children, she didn't like it. She at worked to get her fare and go back to Ireland, where she raised another whole family. Um, and that, and I think that's it. We, we were all very, we just grew up as very strong women. And, uh, so we, I can as I say, I came down here in 99 and was the affiliate services coordinator for ACB. And as you know, because we did a lot of work together, um, that was a very <laughs> different position then than it is today. Um, yes. 
And, you know, that was where we put together the conventions, legislative seminar, um, the mid-year meeting, all those kinds of things were along with the 72 affiliates that we had. Um, and I did that until 2006. And, and uh, September 2006, I left, went to work for a telecom company that was based out of Louisiana for a couple of years. And then uh, said, maybe I'll like semi-retire. Wasn't sure that company was laid everyone off. It didn't uh, hold up. It was a dot com that didn't, that kind of dot, dot, dot at house. Uh, <laughs> and then in 2014, I had a friend who said, you've got to apply for this job. And I said, I'm not going to get it. And um, I did anyhow. And so since then, through now, I am the the accessible accessibility and alternate format specialist for the Federal Communications Commission. And so that still keeps me busy during the day. So, you know, yes, I've gotten older. Um, I was involved in the very beginning of ACB in Massachusetts, um, back when we started the, they started the Blind Leadership Club, was our first affiliate there. Um, they were a group of us, people who later became very involved in ACB, people like Marlena Lieberg and Charlie Crawford and Phyllis Mitchell and, uh, later Otis Stevens was involved and, Philip Posture was in the Blind Lawyers, ABLA back in those days, mm-hmm. um, of the Blind Lawyers Association. And I, I, I just kind of fell into it. Frank uh, asked me one day if I wanted to, we, we decided to go out and ask me if I wanted to go to a, see some people that we knew at a meeting. And I, he, and I guess I never looked back after that. <laughs> it was that. And uh, so I, we did, we got a lot of mentoring from people like, Mary Ballard Stevens, M.J. Schmidt, and Durwood, um, mm-hmm. and that, and, and uh, you know, I, it took some time off in between. Um, as I say, when we when I had uh, when we were raising Scott, our son, and you know, life happens. I have a friend who wrote a book one time, and it was called "Life Happens Under Running Water," and so <laughs> you know, sometimes things do happen that get away from one thing and into something else. And I was very involved in a lot of community events in my, uh, in the town that I grew up in back in the eighties uh, and nineties and been very, very active in whatever I'm doing. And when the pandemic hit here, that's when I really kind of got back involved with ACB a lot more uh, because I started doing um, visibilities. That was my whole idea was that there are things that we as visually impaired people who have been visually impaired for long periods of time, well, we're not, I don't mean to say this in a separating sense at all, but I think that there are some very major differences, and I think you'll agree with me, Carla, some very major differences between people who are adjusting to vision loss and those of us who grew up or a long time ago adjusted to it. 
Oh, absolutely. And that's where visibilities first came from, with visually impaired senior abilities. When, you would, when we would find ourselves going to a doctor or to a hospital, and they were just assuming that, you know, you're blind, so obviously you must have somebody at home to cook for you. And it was like, yeah, my totally blind husband will throw something in the microwave for us. <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of, well, oh, well, that's not going to do. You know, we have to get somebody from the county to come in. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> yes. It just started, it just, it really started hitting me in the face as we got older that it was just assumed that we, because between the vision loss and aging, um, that we, obviously had no abilities. And mm-hmm. I have always been, regardless of age, regardless of, of disability, I have always felt that people need to enhance their abilities and encourage people not to live by their vulnerabilities. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really important that we, you know, I've learned an awful lot. As I said, some of the mentors that I had in ACB, we've learned a lot. We learned so much from them. And I'd like to be someone who would uh, be available to younger people coming up. And I still like a lot of the things that the younger people do, too. You know, uh, we're, we're, we don't need to start an old a 1960s generation gap. And that's what I'm really <laughs> right. hoping that we are, that's, I am really, really trying to work as much as I can to see that that never happens in ACB again. Mm-hmm. And um, other than that, you know, I'm still very involved with uh, several of our special interest affiliates. And I'm also the president of the Metropolitan Washington Ear which is a radio reading service and uh, a theater audio description in the in theaters here in the D.C. area. And um, a few other things. I've not been as involved in the public community here as I was back in Boston. But I think that's um, probably because I don't have that many hours in the day anymore. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, that's, so that's kind of where we are. Frank and I have been married. Um, we had a very dear friend that introduced us. Well, actually, the very first time I met him, I didn't like him. Um, but then a friend of mine reintroduced us. And as a matter of fact, she was one of the people that um, was, I don't even know how to put this. Peggy was a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours. She was the woman who was killed uh, in the subway accident, the subway uh, falling off the platform at the subway oh. in Boston in, in 1993. Oh, my and, goodness. And it had so much to do. It was because of that that we all got so involved uh, in tactile warning strips. Was, it, it was really because of uh, Peggy, Peggy Kingham and McCarthy in Boston and uh, two other people in New York. 
that all had similar type awful accidents. We've been married for 49 years the last month. So maybe yeah. we'll make 50. <laughs> yes. Those subway accidents were around the San Francisco <laughs> Convention, weren't they? The 93 uh, San Francisco yes. Convention? Yes, that happened with, I know Peggy's was um, the first week in June of 1993. Yes, and then came the New York ones. Yeah. And uh, and at the, I don't know if you were at that convention in San Francisco, but um, I think a group of ACB people went down and demonstrated on the steps of the San Francisco, uh, I think the courthouse or, um, you know, one of their federal buildings or whatever. I mean, it was a, that was a major mm-hmm. thing because a lot of people were saying, well, they just didn't use their cane well enough. You know, like that was an excuse for doing yeah. nothing. So, yeah, it was, a, it was, it was, it was a, it was, and they had had the uh, demonstrations here in the DC area when they were building, when they had put in the, the metro system here and had not yeah. put the tactile warning strips in and, it just it 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 those three accidents really spearheaded that safety precaution mm-hmm. that is now much more prevalent than it was in in back in those days. Mm-hmm. Yes, Terry, do you have or have you had in the past any particular hobbies or likes and dislikes? Things you enjoy doing just for fun? Um, I like to read. And, but I also, we kind of have a thing in our house. Uh, most people know not to call me before about 11 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday mornings because <laughs> we have a Friday and Saturday music night in our house. Sometimes it can run a little late. Sometimes the sun is starting to come up. <laughs> um, oh, dear. Uh, usually not quite that late. But... Um, <laughs> We, Frank and I are both night people to begin with. And on Friday and Saturday nights, we tend to, we turn the music on and especially get into, Frank's a real old folky. He knew so many of the folk singers of the 1960s mm-hmm. through, um, through a mutual, actually through a guy, a guy who was his guitar teacher. He met so many people in those days. And we'll pull out, last night we had Judy Collins on all night, it seems. Um, but we'll do a lot of old folk music or music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, some into the 80s. Um, and I am, oh, and the other thing that Pacheco finally, we've changed his name really years ago in my family to O Pacheco. Um, because we're very into, uh, into Irish, I'm very into Irish history, Irish literature, and Irish music. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I am not much of a linguist. I took French in, in junior high school and Spanish in, um, high, in high school. Yeah, in high school. And then in 1979, I think it was, um, a friend of mine knew about an Irish Gaelic, Irish Gaelic course at MIT. And I took two semesters of that and I probably remember more words in Gaelic than I do in uh, in French or Spanish. <laughs> uh, and but I, I am quite into Irish history and that and some of that goes back to the family to 
my own family's roots and such. So those are, those are things I'm most interested in. I do have a couple of guitars around, but quite honestly, they haven't been played in a very long time. We keep saying, got to restring those, got to tune them, you know. we we got to pull them out sometime. Yeah, sounds like me and my keyboard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I have all these keyboards, but I don't ever I haven't played. I really haven't played a keyboard since the pandemic came along. I don't know why. Oh. They're right here. I'm in the house with them, but you know, <laughs> two pianos and two or three keyboards, and they don't get played. So, <laughs> so. Well, I'm afraid it's been long before the pandemic. Before since <laughs> now, Adam gets the guitar out and plays. So. Yes, he. Oh yeah, Thank and you. he he loves your choice of music. He loves the folk singers and um, you know the the Judy Collins and the uh, all that kind of stuff. Also into things like Simon and Garfunkel and all that. And I like a lot of the old things too. But he's much more um, into that than I am. But it, it is fun to stay up and listen to music. Like one night we got on a <laughs> one night we got on a Ray Stevens kick. And, oh my goodness! <laughs> and you know, with the uh, echo, you can—I um, mean, you can just pull up the the artist you want to listen to. And we yeah. had just gotten an echo studio, and so we filled our kitchen with all of the crazy Ray Stevens songs until about three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Terry, you—you were just elected to the board for. Uh, a four-year director seat, and um, in all of the time that you've been in ACB, this is the first time you've been on the board. So um, do you have any particular things that you would like to see accomplished in your uh, four-year director term? Any particular interests or uh, just in general, you know, on the board and doing all of the things that come with it. The directors are really busy these days. And they're, oh, they that's an understatement. <laughs> uh, no, I know. You know, it used to be years ago, uh, because the first time I went on the board, it was 1983, I think, 82, 83. 80, yeah, it was in, we were in Atlanta, so that was 82. And, yeah. um, and, you know, back then, the directors didn't have any particular things assigned for them to do. You didn't have affiliates to keep up with, and you didn't have committees to be on. And you were just a director. And people often, sometimes people would say, well, what, is the dire- what does the director do? And people would say, oh, it's not much, so that's a good place to be. But that's not so now. So. Um, you know, what What are some of the things, your interests in, in, from the board side? From the board side, uh, well, I'll tell you, it's a lot busier than it used to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure, is. sure. I got up this morning, I was, uh, got up this morning thinking, you know, there's some towels sitting in the dryer that have been sitting there for three days for me to fold. Uh, there's a couple of things that I need to do that I really should get done around this house. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Within two hours, I had a call set up for 2 o'clock, 5 o'clock, and 7 o'clock today. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Um, 
and another one for tomorrow, probably. That one isn't confirmed yet. Um, I We do have the assignments now. I've not yet. I think Dan is giving everyone their committee assignments, I'm assuming, at the October board meeting. We haven't gotten committee assignments yet. I did get my um, affiliate assignments. And... Um, and that was that it, it, it was an interesting group of affiliates. I think what one of my real priorities is to see us deal with. Um, I think we, I think we're a little shy on transparency, and I think we're a little shy on advocacy. We're we're doing advocacy, but maybe not as much um, as we used to. Kind of as we used to, but also mm-hmm. of things that are of, if you wanted to put a, a list of priorities together, you know, I, you know, my own list of priorities might be a little different than yours or than someone else's. I mm-hmm. think that things like pedestrian safety, um, uh, maybe the problems with guide dogs and the and the TSA and that kind of thing, things that affect a larger the, the larger part of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that that I I would like to see us do some more work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and my other really big thing, and I guess after seven years of of it, back in the beginning of this millennium, um, I really want to see. I get uh, a lot more done with our affiliates, both the state and the special interest. I think our special interest affiliates need um, a little more work, you know, need need a little bit more work and coordination um, in order for them to grow a little stronger. And I think right now we're in a position where we need to make, as we've been in the past, really, but we need to make our affiliates much stronger than they are. And I want to do anything I can to help the affiliates, both state and special interests, become as strong as they can be. Well, I really appreciate you taking time out of your Saturday to talk to us on SoundPrints. And um, certainly I'm looking forward to... Um, kind of keeping up with what's going on with the board. It's a pleasure, and thank you for having me, and thank you for all that you do as well for ACB. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. 
This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.